Well, good morning from me. Uh, my name's Peter. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I want to open with this question for you today. Uh, when you think about um, humans, um, what do they need the most? What do they need the most? Um, I wonder what you'd say. Um, it depends on what's going on at the time, right? Uh, it depends on what the priorities are, what the pressures are. depends on dot, dot, dot. But what, what do humans need the most? There's lots of, lots of answers, lots of good answers. Uh, but what we're going to see, I think, today in the Gospel of John is the answer to uh, what humans need the most. So I'd love for you to open your Bibles up. Uh, if you don't have one, there's actually some uh, hard copies at the top of the stairs over there. I'd love for you to open up to John chapter 13. Uh, the Gospel of John has been our spine as a church in terms of our sermon series for a while now. Um, we're up to John 14. I'm going to start at the back end of 13 just to give some context to it. Look, the, the, the basic idea here is that what's happening is the Lord's Supper is, is happening. It's the Last Supper, uh, the night before the crucifixion. And uh, we're just going to start in John chapter 13, uh, verse 31, and read through to John chapter 14. Verse 8, we'll be reading in the NIV version. When he was gone, uh, this is verse 31, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. He's speaking there of his death on the cross, the glorification that's going to happen there. Uh, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. He's talking about his death. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Good question. Jesus replied, where I'm going is death. You cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And he's actually going to tell us where that is in a moment. Uh, Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And then following on from that, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Now, what's important at this point in time, if, if you remember, it's a while since we did this part of John chapter 14, but when Jesus is talking about the father's house, he's not talking about a physical place. He's talking about the place where the father is, where the father dwells, right? So when Jesus says, I'm preparing a place at the Father's house for you to come. He's saying, I'm preparing a place for you to come so you can dwell with the Father. That's, that's what he's saying. Um, verse 3 of chapter 14, If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. 
Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. I think I missed a section there. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I wonder whether you've ever had this experience where uh, a friend of yours, or perhaps it was even you yourself, uh, you bought something, you dis- discovered some kind of life hack, um, and, and you, uh, you either had someone come up to you and say this, or you went up to someone and said it, you just went, you have to get this. You just need to get this. Um, this is the kind of vibe that I think is going on in this passage today, is that there's something really, really deep and unique about the Father, and it's, and it's compelling, and you just have to get near to Him. So I want to look at three things today. I want to look at the fact that you need to get to the Father, uh, that Jesus takes you to the Father, and that there's no other way to get to the Father other than through Jesus. So let's get to the first one. You need to get to the Father. As I just mentioned before in this illustration, there is something intrinsic about who the Father is, that you just need Him. You need to get close to Him. Um, you know, there's, there's a way that I could talk about needing to get to the Father that is dependent upon your need yourself. Um, it, it, it depends upon the fact that you just can't make your life go the way that you want it to go. We could say you need the Father for that reason, so that because your life goes better with Him. Um, you, you could say you need to get to the Father because your life won't work as well on its own, and that's kind of true too. But all of those reasons I've just thrown out have to do with your lack And when I say to you this morning that you need to get to the Father, there's something about the Father that is compelling that you need to get near. What I'm really saying is you you just, you have to have Him. (laughs) This is the bottom line, and I would say this to all of you, you really need to get to the Father. And it's not because you've got a need, it's because of who He is that you need to get to Him. It's like that illustration I used at the start, you know, it's, it's, it's just a faint kind of shadow of what it's like with the Father. But when someone finds something and they go, you have to get this, what they're saying is there's something so good in the thing that they've discovered that it's created a need in the person that has to get there. Do you get what I'm saying? This is a small pathetic taste of what it is like to need to get to the Father. But it raises a problem for us, um, and it's a problem we're going to look at uh, in more detail next week. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, today's message and next week's message are a pigeon pair, so you have to come back. You uh, have to come back and hear the second part. Uh, what's, what's the problem that this raises for us? Well, it raises this problem. For many of us, getting to Jesus sounds better than getting to the Father. If you're new at the, the Christian thing... Um, The Bible teaches that God exists, um, there's one God who exists as three persons. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And and here's a lot of our problem. Um, Getting to Jesus sounds better than getting to the Father. Now, I've I've spent time in previous messages uh, as we preach through the Gospel of John, trying to kind of unravel some of the tangles that happen because of people's bad experience of fathers. Uh, and how they mess with our understanding of God being our Father. But I don't think that's actually the issue that's in play in this particular passage in John at this point. Because, and I want to show you how the story kind of goes on to help you to see what's actually in play at this point. Right? Jesus has just talked about the Father's house 
and how the disciples know the way to get there because they know Jesus, right? And this is what Thomas says, just by way of revision. Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Now, I could ask you this question, what's going on with Thomas? Um, I think one of the big things that's going on for Thomas right here is he's just stuck in physical reality, right? That's what he's stuck in. Jesus has been talking about spiritual things. He's been talking about personal things. He's been talking about relational realities. And Thomas is just stuck on what he can see. Uh, That's where he's stuck. And then, uh, lest we pile on top of Thomas, Philip kind of joins in as well on this whole deal, right? So when you go to verse 7 to 8, Jesus is saying, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip says, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us, right? This is a team thing going on here. Uh, The disciples are kind of locked into what they can see and what they can lay their hands on in a sense. And the Father's just a little bit beyond that. We just need to be able to see the Father and we'll be okay. They can get their heads around Jesus well enough because he's right in front of them, right? They can kind of reach out and touch him. Um, But they struggle to get their heads around the Father. Because he's not right in front of them. And I wonder if we were honest, and it's good to be honest. Is anyone up for honest? Yeah, unless you have to do it publicly. Um, (laughs) If we're honest, um, how many of us can identify with the disciples in this? Right? I mean, I can identify with them. We can get our heads around Jesus a bit, right? Because he got the stories, he's incarnated in the flesh, he, he's a bit like us, he feels things, he actually walked on the earth. But the Father, like the Father's just a little less concrete at that point, right? He's, he's kind of a, he feels like he's a step away from what we can understand about Jesus. And, and you just, there's a, there's a part of it where you just go, I just can't. I can't really identify with the Father. I can identify with Jesus, but I can't really identify with the Father. And and it's and it's like, like I said, like if you've ever felt like that, I I I get what you're saying. Like if you've ever been in that place where you go, Jesus, yep, no, got him. It's like the Father. It's like ah, it's just that he's like another step beyond, and 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 it kind of sometimes feels like you're kind of grasping at smoke a little bit. Sometimes, anyone with me on this? Um, this creates a massive problem for my sermon today, right? And here's, here's the problem. You don't think you need to get to the Father as much as you need to get to the Father. That's the problem. It's an impossible problem, uh, in a sense. Uh, what are we to do? Well, Jesus has a very straightforward fix for it in uh, verse 9. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And we're not going to do that today because we're going to do that that one next week because that's most of next week's passage. And that's something that uh, John has been at pains to unpack uh, over the course of his gospel. Uh, But today what I actually want to do is I want us to just take a quick tour through All of the things that John has written in his gospel, that Jesus has said, and they're actually some of them are things that John has said about the Father. 
because John wants you to know what the Father is like, right? And in doing this, what I'm really doing is I'm saying there are good reasons why you need to get to the Father, right? And we're just going to look at what John is thinking about when he's thinking about the Father and, and see if it doesn't help you. And there's like 20 and some of them you'll be surprised by because they're actually different to the way that you think about the Father. And I'm just going to read you the, the bit that summarizes it and then a verse that says that very thing out of the Gospel of John. You ready for this? And, and it's just up until from chapters 1, I should say, until chapter 14. Here's the first one. Uh, this is the only one I don't have a verse for because it's everywhere. He's called Father. He could have been called R2-D2, couldn't he? Or C-3PO, or some other name, but he's not. I mean, I think that says something straight off the bat. That says something straight off the bat about who he is, that he gets called Father. It's the second thing. This father has an ever-expanding family, John 1, 12 uh, to 13, whoever believes in Jesus has the right to become children of God. He has a family. That just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. This father is king. John 3, 3, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. This father is loving. You all know this verse. This is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his, only, his one and only what? The father gave the son why did the father give the son because he loves you that's why he gave you the son it's not coercion it's not setting up some kind of religious system he loves you what about this one this one will spin you out a little bit right because this is not typically the way we think about the father but i'll give you the proof for it the father prefers saving to condemning do you believe that that's John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We go on to John 3.34. We see that the Father gives the Spirit without limit. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. That's good news. We go to John 5.17. We actually find out that the Father is always up to things and he's always up to something good. My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. We go to John 5.21. It says the father raises the dead and gives them life. That's John 5.21. What about this one? This one's like, right? Because we think that God's the cranky, angry one, God the father. Look at this. The father judges no one. The father judges no one. This is John 5.22. Jesus says, Moreover, it literally says this, the Father judges no one but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. That's interesting. The Father has life in himself. John 5.26, for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. The Father gives you Jesus. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. He's talking about himself. That's John 6, 32. The Father is the one that draws people to Jesus. 
John 6.44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I'll raise them up at the last day. The Father is alive. John 6.57, just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. The Father teaches Jesus what to say. This is John 8.28. When you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. Now... I've got more, <laughs> all right? Because if you've been doing, uh, keeping up with the chapter that I'm up to, I'm only up to chapter 8 at this point, all right? But what I want you to do is I want you to have a look at the screen and see if you can pick the one that's hardest to believe. Is there one there that runs in a different direction to something that you've thought about the father before? wonder which one it is. I've got another five yet, right? Does anyone picking up what I'm doing here? That, that, that is a good father, isn't it? The father glorifies Jesus. Uh, John 8, 54, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Love this one. The Father's hand is secure. John 10, 29, my Father who has given them to me, which is all the people who come to Jesus, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Now give me an amen that that's a good thing. Yeah? All right? My father's hand is secure. Father listens. John eleven forty one. at the raising of Lazarus at his tomb, Jesus opens his prayer and he says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Of course he does. That's what he does. That's what the father does. He listens. And here's the thing. Every single prayer that you've ever prayed, he's listened to it. Even before you were a Christian, he listened to you. Because he's one who listens. That's what he does. The Father honours those who serve Jesus. This is John 12, 26. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honour the one who serves me. Now, some of you go, yeah, but we don't deserve it. It's like, yeah, well, we don't deserve a lot of stuff, right? Um, but if Jesus says that he's going to honour you for serving, serving him, that's going to happen, all right? Whatever you do, whether someone sees it or they don't see it. Here's the last one. The Father tells Jesus what to say. John 12, verse 50. I know that his command leads to life. Leads to eternal life, I should say. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. And not in some kind of weird, coercive, kind of control kind of way. Jesus just loves to say what the Father tells him to say. They really love each other. Case closed, you need to get to the Father, don't you? You need to get to the Father. The second thing I want to look at today is this. Uh, this is good news. Jesus takes you to the Father. Um, you need to get to someone like the Father, right? And there is no one that's like the Father. He's the only one like that. And like I said at the start, it's not so much about you and what your need is, 
there's something compelling about it because of who he is. And, and I want to just say to you, um, to all of us here, you need to be near someone like that. Right? And, and I'll just say this, that'll change your life if you get near someone like that, wouldn't it? If that's true, and it absolutely is, your next question is this, how are you going to get there? How are you going to get near someone like that? And, and what this actually leads us into is one of the most memorable I am statements uh, that Jesus has ever made. And whenever you hear an I am statement in the Gospel of John, you've got to hear that he's talking about being divine. It, it's kind of shades of uh, Exodus 3, the call of Moses, where, where God says, I am who I am. And here's the divine statement that Jesus makes. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, there's three categories that John's kind of pulled out there, and that's way, truth, and life. But what you need to know is the key one, the one upon which all of the emphasis is, I think, in this text, is the word way. And I want to show you this by giving you a couple of lead-up verses as well and highlighting the word way. Jesus says, you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you were going, so how can we know the way? Then Jesus says, I am the way. Jesus is the truth and the life, but the key word here is way. And the big question is the way where, which is, is really what Thomas is asking, and the answer is to the Father. So the question here really is, well, how do you get to the Father? That's the question. And the answer is, Jesus is the way to get to the Father. That's the answer. Um, and this is why Jesus said to the disciples that you know the way about how to get to the Father, even though the disciples didn't know the way. Right? They actually did know the way because they knew Jesus, but they didn't know that the way was actually Jesus because they were thinking about a place. They weren't thinking about a person. And, and this is really important because getting to the Father is not about getting to a physical location, as though he exists somewhere specific in a, in a physical sense and you've just somehow got to get to him. Getting to the Father is about getting personally and relationally near to him. All right? even as we'll see in the following chapter, is getting into the community of the Trinity itself, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, being one with him there. And the question is, well, how do you get in on that? Right? This, this should be a question that we're all asking, right? It's like, that sounds really good. Being near someone like the Father, uh, like you've just described to me, it's like, how do I get in on it? That's really the question. And, and I want to say to you, it's a very difficult and dangerous task to get in on it. Why? Well, the reason why it's a difficult and dangerous task for, uh, for people is that we're fallen. There's, there's actually a relational problem between us and God himself. We turned on him, we didn't believe him, we committed spiritual adultery by preferring other things to him. None of us this week trusted him consistently all the time. In short, we sinned against him, and so there's this pile of mess in between us and him. 
Um, and, and I want to say to you, there's no way that you can get to the Father while that mess is in the way. There's no way you can do that. And here's where Jesus comes in, right? Jesus is the way to the Father. <laughs> what does Jesus do? Well, he's about to go to the cross and die on the cross to get rid of the mess in between us and God, the mess that we all created. He's our brother. He's the one that gets to work on our behalf to reconcile us to the Father. You see, he is the way because he's the truth of God. He's the one that's actually come and told us about who God is. He's God in person. He's, he's the way because he's the life. He's the resurrection and the life. He has life in himself and and uh, I was reading uh, about this passage this week and one commentator made uh, this comment, which is what they do. Um, yeah, he said this, the, w- the one who is the way will be hanging on a Roman cross soon. The one who is the truth will be falsely convicted and sentenced to death and the one who is the life will be a dead corpse. What a head spin. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And, and one of the things, unfortunately, I think, in the church um, is that I, I don't think that we've always landed exactly where Jesus is landing in this, in this verse. Um, because many of us here have been in the church long enough that we've heard people talk about Jesus being uh, the way, the truth, and the life. And maybe you've just heard over and over that Jesus is the way to get forgiven of your sins and escape the wrath of God. And Jesus is the way to get saved from that. And that's definitely part of the process. But I actually don't think it's the ultimate goal. Um, Jesus isn't ultimately the way to avoid something negative. He is the way to acquire something positive. See, that, that's what Jesus is saying here. And, and here's the thing, if, if, if we all kind of sit here today underneath this stuff from Scripture and we go, Jesus is the way that I get out of trouble with God, you're about halfway. Because that's not really the ultimate thing that Jesus is saying. Of course, it's part of it. It's essential. But you can't get to the Father unless that junk is cleared out of the way, unless you're made clean again. But Jesus is not just talking about you avoiding something bad. He's talking about you getting something good. You see the difference? And sometimes I think, and uh, I could get on a rant here if I'm, I'm not careful, but sometimes I think religion in the church makes it all about avoiding something bad. You just get out of trouble. I, I just don't think you can read this extended section of Scripture and think about the fact that Jesus being the way is only about getting out of trouble. It's like sometimes I think in the church we're going to sit and we go, oh, isn't, isn't this great? We get out from underneath the punishment and the judgment of God, and it is great. And Jesus goes, and that gets you somewhere. <laughs> it's not just the absence of something negative, it's the acquisition of something positive. You see that? That's what his death made possible. To be with the Father to be in his presence. And, and I would ask you this, uh, can your spirit lay hold of that? 
how many times I have prayed this week saying, God, help me to lay hold of who the Father is and be with the Father. Third thing today. There is no other way to get to the Father. Now, I want you to know something about this. This is an intensely personal thing, right? Um, and we could get all intense um, at this point about Jesus being the only way, right? And we've done this in the church, and, and I get it, and it's, and it's okay, and it kind of makes sense. Uh, we could talk about the exclusiveness of the gospel, about what Jesus has done and how the only way you can get in is with Jesus. I could talk at this point about all the other religions of the world and how they're all wrong um, and how you need to buy into Jesus to be saved and, and, and that would be a helpful thing to consider. Um, there's other things kind of in that category that you could think about which would be right and good. But I, I actually want to take a different tack because... I, th- I think it's what Jesus does. See, I don't think Jesus is mainly interested in objective truth when he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I don't think Jesus is mainly interested in making some kind of exclusive claim about himself, although he is. I don't even think that Jesus is making a statement about how the way to the Father is narrow, though it is. I think what he's saying is there's no other way to get to the Father. And, and it's, I don't know whether you can see, but it's like, it's logical. You, you just, there's just no other way to get in. How else do you think you would get in close to the Father? (laughs) What other way can you put forward? Oh, good deeds? It's like, forget it. All right? Buddhism? Where you just suppress desire and somehow get to nirvana? Like you think, is that going to get you? Not a chance. Like there's a logic to it here and it's not just this hard-nosed kind of Objective truth, kind of exclusive claim, although I think it is all those things. Jesus is saying, you, how are you going to get in? There's no other way to get in. You can't get in any other way. See, how do you get in close to the Father? Well, here's the bottom line. You, you need someone to bring you in. That's what you need. You, you can't get yourself in. You need someone to bring you in. I, um, I, I want to use an illustration, and all of you, if I don't preface it with this, you'll all go, Pete thinks he's famous. I'm not famous, all right? But I just want to use this illustration because this is a, a, a good um, metaphor for what I'm talking about here and what I think Jesus is talking about. Uh, about a month ago, I spoke at a men's convention down in Sydney over two weekends, and um, I got to speak alongside a reasonably well-known international speaker, dude, way more well-known than I am. Um, and after it was all locked in that I was going to be doing it, uh, I had a chat on the phone to my good mate, Kurt, and many of you have met. And um, I, uh, I was just trying to work out how. I want to spend some time with my mate. I've, I've got to go down on a Friday and 
and it was the Blue Mountains kind of leg of it. Uh, I want to go down on a Friday, is there somewhere that I can meet up with him? So we're talking on the phone about this, and uh, he goes, I'll tell you what, and he goes, I'll just come to base camp with you, which is the men's convention. And uh, I said, that, that'd be awesome, all right? Um, why don't you come? And, um, and, and so I said to him, I said, leave it with me, right? So I ring the chair of the board, and I said, hey, um, you know, I've got a good mate called Kurt, and... Um, the chair of the board actually knew him a bit. I said, he, I just want to spend some time with him and he's offering to drive me up to base camp. Do you think, do you think he'd be able to have a bed at the speaker's house where the speakers get to stay? And um, he said, yeah, 100%. Um, so I flew down to Sydney. Um, uh, my mate Kurt drove uh, actually Michael and I up from the airport, Sydney airport, to the speaker's house. Uh, where all the speakers and board members and everything were uh, were staying, uh, we met the other co- the other speaker and Kurt and I got to have long conversations uh, with us um, on the Friday night. The board came over and uh, we all just hung out in front of the fire and ate lollies and talked about all sorts of different stuff. And and I don't want to overplay it, but at some level, Kurt got into that space. Because of me. You see that? Because I asked if he could come in with me. And I kind of, do you see that? I, I kind of brought him in to that space. Um, and I want to say to you, it's a little bit like that with Jesus and the Father's presence. Um, Jesus has to bring you in. And, and I want to say to you, Jesus is really happy to bring you in. <laughs> it's not like he shows up at the front door of the Father's house in inverted commas and it's like, I don't know where this guy came from, but he's just been hanging out with me the whole time. And do you think he can get in? It's like, no, it's like, it's like Michael, it's, it's, it's David, it's, it's, it's Phil, it's Selena. It's, I'm going to bring you in. I'm going to bring you into the Father. You think about the, um, the community of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a huddle. They love each other. They're selfless. They just love hanging out together. And how are you going to get in there? Well, you get in if one of them brings you in. That's how you get in. And you know the good news for you today, um, many of you know this, some of you perhaps don't. Um, the one that brings you in doesn't bring you in in your disgrace. He fixes you up before you come in. So that you don't have people recoiling. The Father and the Spirit do not recoil when you get brought in because you are clean, you are pristine. You need someone tight in the middle that can bring you into that, right? And if you go all the way back to the first chapter of John's Gospel, we see that, that Jesus is this person. No one has ever seen God, 
for the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. You see that? That's the person that you need to bring you in. (laughs) And he does. He does. It's like, who is the person who is most in the know when it comes to the Father? That's the one that you need to actually bring you in. And then you go, I'm hanging with that guy, right? Because if he's really, really tight, he's going to be able to bring me right up close to the Father. He's done everything for you to get to the Father. I wonder as I pray um, whether you could just do something physically. Uh, could be anything, right? Uh, maybe not too crazy. Uh, but if you could do something physically that represents that, you know, if you're just feeling that um, you just need to get to the Father. And uh, if you're a Christian, Jesus has already brought you into the Father, but there's like a lived experience of it as well, which I think is why uh, Paul a couple of times in Romans and Galatians talks about giving his spirit to us so that we can cry out, Abba, Father, in our hearts. Um, so I wonder whether if you, if you just feel like, I just need to get closer to the Father, You could maybe even put your hands out like that. You don't have to do it now, but just when we pray, maybe just put your hands out like that because it's putting your hands out like that is, is like saying, I don't just need to avoid something negative. I, I want something good and I want to be near the Father. Let me pray. If you'd like to do something like that, I'd encourage you to. Um, let's pray. Jesus, you've made it really clear right across the whole of the Gospel of John that if there is a river of goodness a river of that supplies every single expression of goodness that we've ever seen, will ever see or hear about. It all runs from the Father. It's hard for us to get our heads around you sometimes, Father. but we've seen that you're good even today and we just need to get to you and there's a whole bunch of us here today that just need to get to you there's those of us today who There is a time and a place that we can remember where we got to you for the first time. 
then it's ebbed and flowed. It has been a little bit like grasping smoke sometimes. So I ask, Spirit, that you'd help us today to cry out, Abba, Father. I've got to pray for anyone here today who... Um, You're not dad yet for them. I just ask that you would help them by your spirit to see how good you truly are. 